Welcome to more to come. PW Comic Will's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publisherswiki.com slash comics. All right. Um, it, 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 listeners, uh, I have the great pleasure to be talking to Mira Jacob. Uh, a, a novelist, uh, author of, I believe, the 2014 novel, The Sleepwalker's Guide to Dancing, and also the author of Good Talk, uh, a memoir in conversations, a new graphic memoir, uh, we published, I believe, in March. Uh, Mira, thank you so much for being on More to Come. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you know, uh, your book is um, well. It's unusual in a lot of ways, but then again, it's it, it, it's in some ways it's a very classic book. I mean, it's I mean it's your story uh, as uh, I guess as, as a hyphenated American and the story of your your parents as immigrants uh, from India to this country. But wow, it's also it kind of goes right to the heart of the 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 strange and troubling uh, political period that we're in it, it gives an arc of of of, of uh, certainly for me as a new york lover uh, of a time in new york um and it's uh, a portrait of your family that is you know on the one hand very funny and one hand really um uh kind of despairing um uh but <laughs> before i talk too much more um, uh, I'd love for you to, to tell our listeners a little bit about what this memoir, this graphic memoir, um, is about. Sure. You know, it's always really interesting to hear, um, hear actually just what you were doing now, which is recapping, um, what the book was for you, because I think when you set out to write a book, or at least when I do, I'm not often that clear on what it is that I'm doing. And that was very true mm-hmm. of this one, which started um, really the the kind of the idea with, for the book started with that piece, a piece I'd written early on about my son, who was then six and obsessed mm-hmm. with Mike Jackson, figuring out that he was brown in the same moment that Ferguson was happening and yeah. Trump was on the horizon. And he had been asking me so many questions that were actually, some of them were just funny, like just hilariously funny. And then some of them were so shocking and, um, and just impossible to answer. And I think what happened when I was, when I was trying to answer him is I was really frustrated and oftentimes, um, I would cry at night because some of them were really, you know, some of them were like, what are white people afraid of brown people? And that's a really hard question to answer for a six-year-old in a way that feels like you're both um, being considerate of the fact that they're a small person and you're also preparing them for a world that is going to maybe not see them fully, um, see their humanity fully. And so usually when that happens, I I write an essay about it. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll write some long piece. and, And with this I started doing that and I got so frustrated because we're in a moment and we've continued to be in this moment where nobody believes anybody's pain. Yeah. And all I could do when I was writing was imagine all of the voices dismissing every sentence. And it was really frustrating to try to position why they should care or how they should care or what this conversation meant. And so I, um, I cut us out of paper and I, put us on top of his Michael Jackson albums and just put his questions mm-hmm. above us. 
And then I stood on my dining room table and took pictures of that, which was... <laughs> well, you know, I want to stop you right there because I, I do want to get in, into the book and into... Um, uh, well, it's effect on me and what I see is it's effect on anybody who's going to read it. But also, uh, but first I do want to ask you... <coughs> excuse Excuse me. I do want to ask you a little bit about how you came to the medium of comics. I mean, you're a novelist uh, and a, a very successful and a, I mean, you have one novel, but it's I'm reading it now uh, and I'm as impressed with it as I am with the graphic novel, the graphic memoir. But but uh, are you a comics fan? I mean, why did you go from prose uh, to to, I, if I may say, a very unique form of comics? Just as you described it, a kind of a, a paper doll comics in some ways. Yeah. Sure. Um, well, one thing is that the, the entire time that I was writing uh, Sleepwalkers, which was 10 years of two hours in the night, um, uh-huh. I would often, you know, because you have a day and you have a million things that you're balancing, I would often get locked out of the book. Uh-huh. And to get back in, I would draw something from a scene that I was trying to write. Interesting. Kind of relax enough to get back into the writing of it. Um, I really... I really believe that that drawing kind of unhinges a part of your mind that can stay very locked up with writing. It's very relaxing for mm-hmm. me to just move um, move a pencil or a sharpie across paper and and really think in a different way and let myself sort of feel things in a different way. So I've always drawn. I'd never done anything close to a comic. I'm a huge Linda Berry fan, and cool. she was really <laughs> formative for me. Sure. Um, it's actually just writing about her the other day, but I think just the idea that she could tell these stories about unremarkable lives. They weren't superheroes. They weren't particularly um, talented or bold or wonderful people. And yet they were completely remarkable in her telling and the ways that she sort of let them live wild in those frames was really um, moving for me when I mm-hmm. first discovered them in the nineties. Mm-hmm. So when I started doing this, I'm not a, comics expert by any means i will pick up things and read them and be thrilled i'm just sort of voraciously read everything i can find but i also i have a pretty strong aesthetic um i knew exactly why i wanted the paper dolls Mm -hmm. i knew for example that when i was writing the comic with my son and i and he was asking these questions when our expressions didn't change when i just let the paper doll stand in for us I knew that I wasn't performing the kind of racial pain <clears throat> that America seems to have a, both of an enormous hunger for mm. and a desire to completely dismiss the minute the hunger is sated. Mm-hmm. And so if I wasn't letting my characters cry, if I wasn't letting them emote, mm-hmm. then the reader had to hold on to those emotions. And it felt like a relief to do that. It felt like a relief to make that decision. And, you know, once I cracked it with that piece, it really opened up a new world for me. Well, it's a very effective advice. I mean, as a kind of a total comics nerd here, uh, you know, I I, I originally encountered uh, some excerpts from from your book, I think, online in different places. And I was intrigued by them. But, you know, I felt like, well, I mean, it's it's kind of a tough way to do a comic. But really – in the book, in the tension between uh, the conversation and, the, as you're saying, the the the, the sort of unchanging uh, uh, figurative works and the emotions that they convey, it really is powerful. 
Oh, that's so good to hear. I mean, you know, everything is an experiment. Um, and this was sort of a wild experiment for me, but I knew, I knew when I was writing it, it was offering me a sort of sense of psychic relief. Yeah. And, um, and I was hoping that the sort of the psychic relief it offered me would maybe have the inverse effect on someone who really needed to pay attention to these conversations and who had never been exposed to them or who was having them daily and also was exhausted by their own kind of emotional bandwidth being tapped out. Well, you, this book addresses so many issues. It's hard to even know where to start. Um, you, 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 it's, a, it's a story of, about immigration. It's a story uh, – about sexuality, it's a story about race and politics, um, and I want to ask you about this and and how you put this on the page. But first, I do want to ask: you, Could you tell our listeners a little bit about your background? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Indian American. My parents immigrated here in the late '60s. They went almost immediately to New Mexico. Um, where we are told by the other two Indian families that were in the state that we were the third. <laughs> We were the third Indian family to move into the state. I'm talking specifically about Indian from India um, because, of sure, course, there yes. were many Native American families in their state and their land. But we moved into that very um, that very strange um, place at that time when there were almost no other people that looked like us or had our same background. My brother and I were born there, so we never knew anything different, but I was aware from a really young age from the way that people would sort of look at us, and my mother was sort of outrageously beautiful, and they would follow her around. I understood mm -hmm. we were different um, in, a, in a kind of very clear way. So that's, that's my um, background, and I've moved, you know, since that time and since I was a teenager, I moved to New York in my... 20s to mm -hmm. quote unquote be a writer because that's what in New Mexico that's what you heard the people that wanted to be a writer did they moved to New York um didn't have a great plan <laughs> other than move to New York and be a writer and then I took a million um temp jobs and every other job I could find and sure. took a lot <laughs> well um, that's but eventually that's I, the way you do it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that's the way we go um and I had my first book uh published when I when in my 40s, when I turned 40. So all of this to say, I'm a person who has wanted to do something for a very long time and been working my way toward it and been working my way through a country that has um, long had people like me in it be quite invisible. Yeah. And so it felt really um, important for me to say, we are here and we've been here. And we've been here for a long time. Well, you, you do a, 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 a tremendous and vivid job of that. Uh, in, in particular, uh, you know, recreating your family life. I mean, your parents are in, early in the book, certainly, and later uh, are, I mean, your characterization is very funny. I mean, um, uh, your, the way you talk about your, your parents, their, uh, what, their semi-arranged marriage, uh, I think it's described at one point. No, they were fully arranged. They hadn't spoken to each other before they got married. Well, I, I, I remember a passage. I, I mean, I, I guess I was just sort of being uh, uh, trying to make a humorous reference to it because I, know, I think there's a passage where um, uh, you, you, so you, your mother sort of denies that it was arranged, you know, but really, okay. obviously, it was. Uh, <laughs> but it, you know, there's no you know. limits to things that my mother will deny. Okay. <laughs> um, but. Um, it, it, <clears throat> 
um, but it also, I mean, you also turn um, uh, the book at every turn. I mean, you are you're able to look at these issues that are really, as you say, uh, you you've, you've lifted this cloak of invisibility, you know, off of uh, you know uh, Indian people in in the U.S. But you, um, you sort of, I mean, you 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 focus you you put yourself under a microscope too. In, yeah. in how you've grown up uh, learning how to deal with difference. Sure. Yeah, because I think um, because there is so much shame involved um, with every kind of growth, right? With every sort of cycle of growth that we go through politically and intellectually and socially, you look back on the former incarnation that you were and it's tremendously embarrassing. And I think we're in this moment, one of my most one of the things that frustrates me most in this moment is that um, when the people who are are acting in racist manners are told that they're acting in racist manners, the, the only conversation they want to have is the one in which you assure them that they are not. Yeah. Um, and, and it becomes a really frustrating conversation because you can't talk about what's happening. And I always wish that people could just say, yep, I did that. Okay, I did that. I did that and I don't feel great about that um and here's here's what i'm learning and here's what i'm going through anyway obviously i'm not excluded from that i grew up in the same white patriarch we all did i've made the same mistakes i will continue to make the same mistakes i wrote this book knowing full well that maybe in 10 or 15 years when i'm in another growth cycle and i better be in another growth cycle god damn it that i would look (laughs) back on part of this and cringe yeah And, and i just decided to do it anyway well, there's so many uh, topics to talk about in your book. I mean, one of the things, um, uh, because I'm one of these romantic lovers of New York with all of its flaws and, and strengths, you, is the arc of the story, uh, you know, obviously that begins with this incredible conversation. I mean, I guess you say that this book begins and ends with a conversation with your son, but, but uh, the time from 9-11, I guess until the rise of Donald Trump uh, seems incredibly important in the story in terms of defining who you are, uh, your own sexuality, and then, of course, um, uh, meeting your husband. Yeah, sure. I mean, all of those things, um, you know, I met my husband. It's funny. We moved into our first apartment together the day before 9-11. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, and it was. And, and really... I should say for my listeners that and you guys have, a, you know, you're a mixed marriage, as I used to say. Your husband's Jewish. Yes, yeah. husband's Jewish. He's also New Mexican. He grew mm-hmm. up in New Mexico. I did. Um, so we have uh, certain things in common, and then we have many things that are not in common. Um, and I think there's there's a way in which um, the New Mexican in him is someone that I immediately understood um, and trusted in in a way that, that sort of defies proper logic um, that <laughs> felt really rich but still continues to feel rich. So it gets us through, I think, a lot of um, what are what have been, especially now, um, very tense moments of understanding each other, wanting to understand each other, and then sometimes just really not understanding each other. Um, and I wanted to I wanted to talk about that because I think that America has a little bit of a fantasy about how interracial relationships work. Yeah. And I think that fantasy is based on this idea of, frankly, white goodness. It's this idea that um, 
the, you know, the, the person who is the least minority in the relationship has been this incredibly understanding person that understands everything and, and, and that the two people in this relationship really get each other on some way that defies all sense of time and place and boundary. And that's just not true. It's yeah. just not true. Well, I the, mean, so the, much of your book yeah. is also about this uh, detailing and grappling with, I mean, I guess the term these days is microaggressions. Um, um, but these, these incidents of, of daily remembrance that somehow or other you don't fit in, you're not here, or that you're not, a sense of you is not there by the other parties around you, particularly if they happen to be white. Um, um, now, I, although I should say, you talk in the book also a great deal about colorism uh, in Indian society, and you know, and I'm I'm black, and believe me, this is of a certain age, and I grew up in a black world that was incredibly polarized around uh, about who was darker and who wasn't. Um, uh, uh, I went off on this tangent for not for a reason that I'm not entirely sure, but well, I think. About colorism, because I think it was really, I mean, it's funny because, you know, and I sort of tip to this in the book, but it's, it's interesting because when you do talk about colorism, when you talk about it with your own community, um, certainly in my community, there's sort of a like, oh, but that's just how it is. That's just how it is. Let's not look too closely at that. Um, and it's, and it's a really awkward experience because, um, there's this need to be united in the face of, uh, white Americans, but then behind the scenes, there's a sort of horrible, um, kind of crippling of ourselves that's done, which is, which is really awful. Um, and then the idea that you have to be quiet about it is also fairly awful to me as a dark Indian woman who was repeatedly, who my, you know, my looks were like the, the tragedy of my family. Um, because it was like I was, I had almost, I had almost been somebody, and yet my skin turned out dark, and so I was sort of cursed to this life. Um, and just growing up under that was was obviously pretty painful. Then trying to explain that to um, Americans and specifically white Americans, there was always the recentering of the conversation about, you know, well, it just never occurred to me that you were dark, yeah. as though. As though their own racism wasn't hugely problematic and they were doing the exact same thing in so many ways that they weren't willing to look at. So, you know, yeah, I had to step right into that one. And you did. I mean, I mean, one of the things about your book that is so affecting is that these the the, the pressures, these racial pressures that we see in America, you use your family. And and obviously what I'm getting uh, to is it is is. that this conflict that we see in this country that seems to be tearing the country apart or, or, or revealing the ugliness that's, that kind of is always in this country, I mean, it's playing out in your family and your in-laws. And it's, it's, uh, to read it, it's incredibly devastating, and I can only imagine how it must uh, be for you to live through it. Yeah, it's been, it's been incredibly hard. You know, there's not another – I don't have like a bold, beautiful spin on it because – I honestly, I cried most days that I was writing those sections of the book, and I cried just beyond that, just trying to grapple with this idea that a family that I've been a part of for 20 years now, um, that I have been abandoned in some way. It's been really painful. Um, I've been abandoned in a way that I understand what the abandonment means. I, I wouldn't say the same is true of my in-laws. I wouldn't, I don't think that they would consider um, yeah. their support of Trump and their continued support of him, any sort of abandonment. 
of me. I think of that those are two separate issues to them and they shouldn't be intertwined. And it, so the idea that, that, um, the idea, even the idea of that is so terribly frustrating for me, um, that my human rights shouldn't be part of our conversation in our family. Yeah. Um, devastating to me. It's, uh, well, this is the transition in the book from this, I mean, a very piercing and, and, uh, illuminating, uh, ability for you to kind of highlight, uh, uh these issues with humor to this really devastating, uh, section in a, uh, uh, although an ending um, uh, that, while also very emotional, um, it, it seems the only way that the book uh, could have ended in this, um, I guess, a, a letter to your son um, that yeah. ends on a hopeful sense of the future. My hope, and I will say very clearly, my hope is not in the idea of changing the minds of the people yeah. That refuse to be to see us. I don't have hope for that. That's okay. not where my hope is. Yeah. My hope is in this idea that we can be more than that and that there is something so valuable about his humanity to me and the way that he continues to grow in the world and the idea that this love that we will inevitably feel for people who on some level may not deserve it is that the idea of that love and the complication of that love and where that love lives in our heart is a real and valuable place. That is not a place that I'm going to dismiss. That's not a place that I'm going to be ashamed of. It's not a place that I think he should be ashamed of. Yeah. And so I just, you know, it's funny though, that you say that that couldn't have ended any other way. Cause I will tell you, I wrote about 17 oh, different. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had to work through a lot. I mean, that was really, well, I had without to. Without a doubt. Uh, I mean, I couldn't have imagined, uh, um, having to write this or do this. Uh, I mean, and, and in that regard, you brought something really powerful and special to this medium. I mean, uh, one of the things I think we see now, um, around comics in, in North America, um, you know, which has had a long history of, of kind of being a one in, a, in this country, being a one genre. Uh, medium as we see it expand into all uh, into so many different realms to be, to become a genuine literature um, uh, the kind of complexity and power uh, and humor that you, you you brought to the comics medium here it's really special uh, and and I'm going to segue from that just to jump back to some of the topics you cover um, uh, that are that are equally uh, like kind of useful to the narrative I mean the the, the book touches on parenting. Uh, in ways that um, I, I just think is really wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it's I'm, a tough um, job. I don't have kids. I'm married, but I don't have kids. But wow, <laughs> to live in this time in your situation and, and bring up a kid, wow. Uh, it is, I will say it has not been um, easy. I don't know that any parent has ever said, well, it was actually kind of easy. <laughs> but, well, no, probably not. Right. But... Uh, <laughs> This particular moment feels like walking through several fields of fire, um, you know, one after the other after the other. And and that is there is an exhaustion in that. Um, but also it was really motivating to write this knowing that there were other parents who were dealing with what I was dealing with and frankly dealing with much worse. Right. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. the truth is, at the end of the day, 
my son is Indian and Jewish mm-hmm. and the, our adjacency to whiteness in either of those realms affords us tremendous privilege. So if he is having these questions and these doubts, um, you know, only manifest that 20 fold for a child of Mexican parents, you know, 30 fold, yeah. you know, it's just, sure. it's an impossible, it's an impossible situation. Muslim kids, Mexican mm-hmm. kids, black kids, like there are so many, children in this country who are being terrorized by our president yeah. and it's yeah. a nightmare and being the, the adult uh, border between your child and that kind of psychic terror is, um, it is exhausting. So part of what I was writing toward in this was the idea to those other people to just say, you know, you're not, we're in this. I mean, we, I don't even know how to find all of you, but we're in this. You're not alone. We live this together. Well, your your friends also uh, are are a sort of kind of chorus um, that you refer back to time and time again. Um, I, I think one of them, Allison's, but your other friends, too, your writer friends, your brown writer friends, mm-hmm. who sort of come to your rescue uh, to talk through these issues as well. This is a, like a, a wonderful part of the book as well. Yeah, you know the friendships. Um, it's it was really um, interesting to me. So Allison um, is. The, all of these people are writers. Um, right. So Alison is um, is a white writer. Thani is a Bangladeshi mm-hmm. writer, a Bangla writer, and um, and Caitlin is um, an African American writer. They're all writers, so they all think about these things sure. quite a bit. Um, and so it's helpful when you're talking to writers because they can really parse through your emotions kind of quickly and land on things, um, which was also helpful for writing a book in which people had to speak and and say smart things. They regularly say smart things to me. But yeah, I think one of the things that um, the friendships do for me is there's so often times when I don't believe myself, but my friends believe me. Mm-hmm. And um, and having that kind of um, assurance in your life, having somebody who says, I see you, um, is just so enormously helpful in when you're constantly up against a world that doesn't. Yeah. Um well, I, you know, I, I think I'm winding down um, on the questions that I have. Uh, this book is extraordinary. Uh, I, I, I mean, are you going to do more comics, or are you are you are you back to prose? Uh, what's next I've, for you? So I, um, I right now I have an idea for a hybrid novel that I've been sort of working out um, on the page and beats right now and figuring out how that would work. I'm not sure. A friend of mine. An architect um, friend of mine once said to me that he likes to think of his creative life as a topographic map and go to the place that he hasn't even seen before, he hasn't imagined. And I I think that's such a good – I loved that idea when he said it. I remember just having this sort of full body relief of like you don't, you don't have to do the thing you did before. Yeah. You don't have to try yeah. to protect the thing you did last. You don't even have to do anything perfectly. You just have to try – the thing that you need to try next. That's, yeah. that's the only thing you have to do. So I've sort of given myself that, um, you know, that assignment, do the thing that comes next. Don't worry about whether or not it's good or bad. The same way I didn't really worry about it with this. Great. Well, uh, I'd say so far so good. So, thank and, you. <laughs> and I have to ask, uh, I have to ask about uh, your son, where this book begins and ends. I mean, um, 
what are your conversations? Have his conversations moved on to other topics? Is Michael Jackson still a figure, uh, a problematic figure in so many ways? <laughs> Michael Jackson, not so much anymore. Right. Um, we've moved moving on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, he's 10 now. Um, mm-hmm. and he's, uh, he is like my husband, um, very into watching the news, very into politics and what's yeah. happening and, and he has a lot of questions. He is an extremely curious person. So our conversations have evolved just in that his questions have gotten more specific, um, more forward thinking, more grown up, frankly, than I wish they were. And I'm not sure. Yeah. And I don't think that's a that's a function of him alone. I think that this time has grown our children up quite a bit. Um so yeah, it's just yeah. it's just kind of parsing through that and figuring out how to have the next conversation. More good talk. More good talk. Yeah. All <laughs> right, Mira. Look, this is uh, it's really been terrific uh, uh, to talk with you. I mean, it's, it's early in the year, but I think uh, I've I've already found one of PW's best books of the year. Uh, oh my in, goodness! In good talk. Um, yeah, I'll put some pressure on you. Sure, why not? Uh, uh, it's really <laughs> quite a book um, and. Uh, Look, thanks for talking to me, and thank you for uh, for being on More to Come. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It was great to talk with you.